Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. The goal of Connections Radio Show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us thinking, get us feeling, get us imagining, and get us connected. So our show today will feature our Connections community partner, the Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment, called RISE. And my co-host is the Advocacy Director, Asma Mohammed, And we also have Farin Hassan, who is a school board candidate for ISD 719 in the Prior Lake and Savage area. Welcome! Hello. Thank you so much. Happy to be here, Lori. Hi. Hi. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having me, Lori. Oh, I love having Thank you Thank you for back. having me, Lori. Oh, this is great. This is great. So we're going to be talking about education. We're going to be talking about school board. We're going to be talking about all kinds of cool things. Um, so, Asma, how have you been? Oh, it has been a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've been good, though. I mean... One thing that I've been trying to remind myself is that it's an election year and we can't relax mm-hmm. during this. Mm-hmm. Um, November is coming up really quickly. And I think people are forgetting that we're less than 60 days away from the next biggest election in our lifetime. And I think a lot of us assume that 2016 was the biggest election of our lifetime. But this November is going to be crucial, especially as we look at local races. Um, so as we talked to Farheen, I want us to focus on how local races can impact the work that we do. Um, so it's been, honestly, it's been one of the craziest years of my life, but it has also been extremely rewarding. And I think I've learned a lot about, um, the importance of staying involved, even when a lot of us feel really disconnected. Mm. It's more than a wake up call. You know, this has been week by week. I think to myself, Okay, I can't get that much worse, can it? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I know that's exactly what I've been thinking. Like, what can, what else, what more could happen yeah. at this point? We've got and it's the, like, well, the census could be trying to shut. They could try to shut the census down. <laughs> well, they they're shutting it down the end of September, though. You know, right? So they are. I mean, it's just it's crazy stuff. I mean, we we've got the plague. We've got, you know, our vote being in question is whether or not we can. You know they, that we're going to get stopped by either postage or or lack of access and exactly. But I mean, there but, is, but people are, are so many things. But people are reacting. Last in 2016, what made me upset in 2016 the most was like, eh, I don't think I'm going to vote. I don't know if it really matters. I'm really not. And I'm like, no, voting matters. I think everyone gets that voting matters now. God, <laughs> I, know. I mean, I've been hearing some mixed. Uh, responses from people. I mean, because I've been doing um, some kind of like just general canvassing mm-hmm. in our community. Mm-hmm. And there are some people who are really excited and saying we need to change the status quo. Um, and there are others who are saying there is no way to change the status quo. So what's the point? Yeah, I, um, I get And I need I, I worry yeah. about well, that when we go into depression. To, you know, it's yeah, like exactly. And I need those people to not be complacent because things are still really bad and they could get worse. Yes. But what gives us hope is being able to have good local people. And I'm excited about our show today and having Farine share more about her views on education. Yes. So, Farine, tell me about um, <laughs> local schools and responding to COVID-19. What's up with that? What's going on? Um, well, I mean, 
Hi, thank you again, Laurie, for having me, and great to hear from you, Asma, as well. Um, I think what what there's obviously been a huge shift as far as you know instruction and education is concerned, right? And then we also have to remember, as far as um, the education gap and you know the disparities for the students of color is concerned, um, kids learn very differently. Um, you know, when they are not in the school community or the school environment classes, right? Online classes cannot give us um, the honest experience and, you know, provide us meaningful um, experiences and with interaction with other children from different ethnicities, um, with like children of color. Um, And then also we have to remember how children sort of uh, bond with each other. You know, mm-hmm. they bond with each other uh, while eating, hanging out, listening to music, you know, sharing their cultural experiences with each other. And those interactions cannot, you know, you don't have, you cannot have those authentic interactions online. Um, so there's a huge shift with COVID, especially those who have opted for, um, you know, social distance learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have to sort of um, keep in mind that with with distance learning, you know, there are um, children, there are communities that don't have access to Internet or, right. um, you know, would face technical difficulties. Um, and then also to remember that, you know, um, there would be situations, especially with elementary school children, where at least one parent needs to be present with the child during instruction time. So those are also impacting our children um, as they continue the school year. Do you feel like there's um, there are really good yeah. plans in place, or do you feel like people are just kind of, you know, flying by the seat of our pants and figuring it out day by day? I mean, does there seem to be direction in the school area that you're working with, or is there a lot of fears? What what is what's some of the emotional stuff going on in the stories that are happening? I, I would say, Lori, that obviously there is fear, right? Yeah. And I think we're trying to sort of do the best that we can right now at this mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, again, um, you know, they're, they're different, the information that we're getting from the government and then for us to try to do the best that we can. And then also, you know, we have to keep in mind that the pandemic also brings a lot of um, emotional anxiety, mm-hmm. um, you know, in within the the realm of you know education right with children um so i think what we're trying we're trying to do the best that we can um i also become concerned for teachers and staff who do not have the option of sort of not being at Mm -hmm. school or not Mm -hmm. uh i mean because there are certain schools who basically said well we we have to have an in-person um, instruction or otherwise do the hybrid program, you know, you still have exposure right. to the pandemic. And so we're basically just trying to sort of figure out what works best for the community. And I'd have to believe that that would impact their ease and comfort in teaching, you know, that they're dealing with that anxiety. I mean, there's just so many changes that are going on all at once. Um and kids can Definitely. can pick that up. You know, they can pick up anxiety. Um, you know, they do a lot of modeling. They, they they try and take in all their surroundings and figure out how to make sense out of the world. And when 
parents and teachers in the community are having a hard time making sense, I'm sure it makes it doubly hard on kids to figure out um, how do they fit Definitely. in? You know, yeah. how, what what does this look like now? This is different than last year. So what? And parents, how, how do parents when they're working with kids in their in home be able to do their work as well as work with kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have? I'm, so this is Asma. I've been talking to a lot of teachers, and uh-huh. there are so many of them that are terrified right now because they're like, I want to be there for my kids, uh-huh. and I also need to stay healthy. So what am I going to do? Well, Well, we never expected to ask teachers to be frontline, you know, in a war. (laughs) And we're having this war of pandemic that really puts them, um, their health and well-being on the line. I mean, I'm sure that I've seen so many interviews with teachers that are like, I love my kids, but I got to stay alive. And I I I need to be there for my family. And I would be so scared right now to be going to school and I'm sure that for he and so many people in your district are feeling the same I think all over the country people are wondering what can I do right now to take care of myself and to take care of my kids what does this right right. and and I think it's it's just so sorry it's just so interesting because you know you also want you also come from a place where you want to be there for the children and you want to educate them and and that human interaction is not there online you know but then obviously with the fear of how are things going to be. And and again, we don't really have the direction of, well, where is the pandemic going? Mm-hmm. Is it sort of is it subsiding? Is it so like yeah. all of this? There's so many uh, unknown during mm-hmm. this time right now um, that is definitely affecting all of us in, in a multitude of ways. You mentioned earlier about kids learning in different ways and um, learning, so- socializing with each other in terms of, you know, getting to know each other with eating and and breaks and whatnot. But I, I think they also learn really differently. You know, some kids really learn through physical um, and and need to move around and need to have that kinesthetic uh, opportunity to learn. You know, some kids learn, you know, are very easily visually, you know, others orally. And, you know, the full experience, you know, through a computer, I, I can't imagine that it completely can integrate all the different ways kids learn. Now, maybe we'll explore, you know, more ways that we can use our technology. Um but, you know, even playing, you know, ball games out on the um, playground, you know, there's things that you learn about cooperation and socializing and, you know, how, how do you deal with conflict? Um, those things aren't going to happen uh, with a computer. And, and, and maybe it's just a matter of, you know, seeing this as a, a segue until, you know, either next year or maybe even the year after. I'm hearing folks say that, you know, even with the if we were to get a vaccine by the end of this year, it would take a full year for us to get back to the kind mm-hmm. of um, interactions. Like normal. Well, I, yeah. was, I, I tried to avoid using the word normal <laughs> because I don't normal. believe we will have anything close to what we have considered normal. It's like, what's the daily normal? I mean, normal is like revealed to me every day. I, I, there's no pattern anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I hope I, that we can keep looking at uh, making sure that kids are having a full experience um, even if they're they're connected by computer. Yeah, yeah. and and Lori, I would also say that um, I think we're just um, you know there. there I, I've also 
heard um, parent struggles mm-hmm. where the parent is so concerned and does not want to send their child to school, but the child is basically sort of against the whole you know, online learning right. and wants to be at school right. with their peers. So I think there there's struggles at home as well that are taking place because there's anxiety for the parents. But then the, as far as the children are concerned, they really want to be with their friends. They really want to still have that experience, that school experience and being with friends, having lunch together, having those social interactions with them. Um, and, and, certain yeah, cult- so- and certain families um, have more multi-generational within their home. So it puts them more at risk for having kids go to school when there is multi-generational. Yep. Um, so, definitely, definitely. and there are a lot of different cultures that have a much more extended um, multi-generational celebration in their home. And it puts mm-hmm. that family at more risk, even when the kids do want to go, uh, bringing back, because they may be healthy, but they may impact uh, the elderly within the home. Yeah, it's scary, right, though. Um, I was talking to a student yeah. just yesterday who's a freshman now in high school, and I was asking him how his year was going, and I was like, is it crazy? And he said, honestly, I hate it. Oh. <laughs> and, and he said he wants to cry every day oh. um, because it's just so much harder. He's like, there's more work and there's less support. And I know that teachers are feeling that too. Right. Like if you're a good teacher, you care about what your students feel when, they, when they're saying, I don't have the support I need. But imagine doing that for 120 kids all online. The other right? thing. So the other not, thing that, not be, even as a teacher, not being able to right. support your kids in the way that they need to be supported is really difficult. The other thing that worries me is that there's a lot of kids out there that rely on the school lunches. Uh, yeah. And not, mm-hmm. and so you're you're dealing with you know sh- not only should your kid go to school because you want them to get the full education, but you may need the services that the school provides as well, and mm-hmm. that's tough. Uh, how, how do you make those kind of life and death <laughs> decisions and coping decisions? It's um, it's a complicated uh, navigation. Um, and the the questions aren't simple, and the questions lead to more questions more often than not. Definitely, and I know that some school districts are doing a little bit better than, about that than others. Some are offering, you know, pickup, um, social distance pickup. I know that um, Representative Ilhan Omar worked on part of including the Meals Act in the big COVID package, and so there are districts that are doing that, and there are, is support for schools that wish to include that, but. Um, not every school has the capacity, and not every parent uh, or guardian or student have a way to get to school without a bus. And so there are so many barriers to getting our kids fed, and our kids can't learn when they're hun- when they're hungry. Right. Right. Well, I think right. this yeah. also brings up. We were talking about teachers a little bit ago. Um, how important it is to have empathy and understanding of the complexities of the families. And I think one of the ways that you get a better empathy and understanding is having more teachers of color um, and have more who have more cultural awareness and cultural connections uh, to their students. Yes. And let, let's save that for next segment. We're coming up here at the end of this first segment. But um, I, I think that is a, a really interesting topic to explore. How do we persuade more teachers of color during a time when they would be at more risk as well? <laughs> And it's a uh, – we need 
more support, but we also need to be sensitive to the various risks because we know that there's a disparity of how um, the the pandemic is impacting um, health-wise communities of color. So makes it even more complicated, but even more important as well. So stay with us. Uh, we'll be continuing our conversation uh, with the Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment, a wonderful group that I absolutely adore that partner with me on these shows. And we'll be talking more about what do we do? Um, how do we help? How do we support? How do we stay connected and, um, and be there for the kids and education? Welcome back to Connections Radio. I'm Lori Fitz. We're talking about ideas that matter, and I'm glad you've made the conversation and uh, made the connection. So today, uh, we are with our community connection partner, uh, Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment, RISE Group. And uh, my co-hosts are both the advocacy director, Asma Mohammed, and one of their board members, Farin Hassan, who is a school board candidate for ISD 719 in Prior Lake and Savage. Welcome. Oh, I also want to mention, today the show is sponsored by Clockwork, wonderful group that supports your um, wonderful organization. So welcome. Thank you, Lori. Happy to be here. So we were talking about uh, teachers and um, representation. Uh, talk to me about your feelings about what, what do we need to do to help make sure that we're creating a good cultural environment for all our students? Well, Farheen, I'll let you I'll let you go in a second. I, I just wanted to frame the conversation with saying that in Minnesota, there are 4%. So 4% of teachers in Minnesota mm. are teachers of color. Mm. 4%. And I want you to let that sink in and imagine how many schools you know of, how many school districts you know of, how many students you know that could use extra support from a teacher of color, just having a teacher that looks like them mm -hmm. in the classroom mm -hmm. and know that that's not there for so many. And that the problem isn't really that teachers of color aren't applying. The problem is that school districts aren't hiring teachers of color and that this isn't being incentivized at all for teachers of color. Um, a lot of, I mean, there are other states that teachers of color move to because it's easier to access those schools. Um, and because so many white teachers are tenured in our school districts, it's harder for the teachers of color, uh, teachers of color, to get it. And I can imagine a student with having a role model that looks like them, a person of authority, person of insight. Yeah, it, that that would give so much to to all of our students, yeah, uh, but particularly, first, yeah. Yeah, my first uh, my first teacher of color was a black woman when I was a junior in high school, huh. and she changed my life. She's still in my life. Um, she's still my mentor. So thinking about that was however many like a dozen years, like ten, I think like eleven years ago. Um, tell me what she that, tell me what she did that helped connect with you. She didn't automatically assume that I was going to be trouble. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that, just thinking that that was, that she had my back. Right. That she was there to support me. And she didn't think that, you know, us was going to be a problem. 
And that's the feeling that I got in so many classrooms I walked in, regardless of the fact that I was an AP honors, like high flying student. Mm -hmm. That was the assumption that was made about me. I was kicked out of class for um, asking a question. I was kicked out of class for looking at my friend. And when, you know, there were white students doing the same thing. And so even thinking about this as teachers of color are trying to get into the scene, they are being told that they aren't qualified for whatever reason. Um, I mean, a lot of teachers of color that I know had to start out as paraprofessionals or had to start out in some kind of um, administrative capacity before they were hired on as teachers. And it took them years to get in. And that's not the same case for our white teachers. So there is a discrepancy. There is clear bias in the way that schools are hiring teachers. And that bias actually bleeds into how those teachers are teaching students of color and into the opportunity gap that exists between students of color and white students. It's part of looking at the whole system, right? I mean, people can go, oh, I'm not a racist. Oh, But our system is set up so that we are not creating equality as an ongoing assumption. You know, there are yeah, too many our obstacles. Set up, yeah, our system is set up to <laughs> for a lot of our students to fail. And oftentimes those are our black and brown students. I mean, if you Minneapolis has the second highest opportunity gap in the country between black and white students, second highest. And half of Minneapolis doesn't even know that. So when I was teaching in Minneapolis, I had to go into a classroom knowing that 50% of my kids were not going to graduate because the graduation rate at that time was 54%. And then slowly it got better. Um, But just knowing that my kids weren't being supported in school was hard. That I was the only hijabi educator that they probably would ever have in their lifetimes. The only Muslim, the only brown woman who would be their educator and that I had to do even more work to make sure that they felt supported because I was going to be the only one. That was hard. And if you can imagine you being an AP student, you know, and doing very well scholastically, mm-hmm. and yet you felt going into a classroom that folks looked at you with like, oh, you're going to be trouble. Mm-hmm. If when you Every put, time. When you put that label on anyone... At what point do you just get depressed and 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 there's a almost a learned depression of okay well you know that's the label uh, and mm-hmm. and what incentive then do you have to become more than who you are and aspire and to have you know to be treated with you know the the, the respect and and encouragement uh, rather than the enemies coming in the room I mean that's just mm-hmm. I find heartbreaking. It is, and it's it's the reality for so many of our students. It's just, it's, it's heartbreaking. And I would I think. say, um, but yeah, um, and and I would say I think that is the reason why we need to have people of color in in leadership positions, um, because you know you 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 need to see them in those roles, and then to actually make those changes that are needed in our schools. Um, for the children. Um, my experience, um, I'm a Montessori teacher, and I think when I look back and try to remember why I am really running for school board, it would have to be the one child, especially that one child, she was about seven or eight years old in second grade, um, when she 
had me in her classroom. I was a long-term sub. Um, she, she literally was with me the whole week, um, held my hand whenever possible, and she just kept saying, we are the same. You mm-hmm. look like me. Mm-hmm. And she would go around telling her friends, you know, the teacher, Miss Farine, is just like me because I wore a hijab and she wore a hijab. So to see that representation and to see that she's not the only one and also to see that, you know, somebody can wear a hijab and be the teacher of the classroom and have, um, you know, to give her that, that space and that comfort. I, I would, I mean, I think I sort of, I, when I think back, to why I run, I really am running for that child, you know, and for children like her um, who, who need that representation. I'll also have to um, say my school district has um, 10%, um, you know, diversity. We're, we're almost 90% Caucasian community. Um, and so who is representing those 10% of children? Right. My my daughter. So she um, I have three, three daughters and my oldest one um, is the only one who actually went to the school district. Um, she did that for the first four years. Uh, but she just I mean, for her, she kept saying, you know, nobody understands me. Mm-hmm. Um, I in the beginning, she would take our, you know, our cultural food um, for lunch. And then slowly and gradually, she just said, well, mom, can I just have peanut butter sandwiches? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't understand why, because I was like, well, you love kebab sandwiches. I don't understand. And she was like, no, you know, because otherwise, I mean, children look at me and they say it smells funny or, oh, what are you eating? What is that? Um, Just, you know, or just being comfortable with who she is. That sort of made me pivot and say, okay, fine. Well, we need to figure out a way um, to make sure that she is comfortable with being herself. So we moved her out of district. But I would say not all parents have the luxury and the ability to do that. You know, so that is where we need, I mean, as we need people of color in those positions where we can actually hold um, other teachers accountable, our administration accountable, and to invite teachers of color to be in those spaces, to have the representation for the children. When you talk about that, sorry, that's no, like, no, I'm, no, I'm very passionate about. Oh, that, that's exactly why we want you on the show. You, you, you speak from the heart and you speak truth. Um, all those things are so important. And when you talk about that child, I can visualize her having that joyful face. You know, that sense of pride, yes. that sense of, um, you know, it is, it is heartwarming to consider that child feeling that sense of the, what as just as what Asma had shared about her um, her junior year in high school teacher you know that kind of joy yeah. we they deserve our children deserve and not only does she look like you but how wonderful for those children to get to know you and um, so that they feel the comfort and joy in your leadership uh, that many leadership um, faces need to be uh, displayed and supported uh, to truly create the multicultural uh, community that we can aspire to, uh, where leadership is something in your soul when you have purpose and when you, you know, want to have uh, – uh, when you want to support a community and serve a community, uh, how how beautiful that is that a- anyone can step to the table and 
and take the leadership role and, and that we support and, and honor, acknowledge, but it needs to start with children recognizing leadership. And and yeah. and when we don't have that, you know, it, it becomes part of the systemic culturalization of, you know, who has privilege and who doesn't. And, Absolutely. And people like Farheen, right? Like there are women of color who are stepping up right now and saying enough is enough. Mm-hmm. This isn't just about my kid anymore. It's about every kid in this district mm-hmm. who has felt like they didn't have a voice, who has felt like they couldn't share with their teachers. There are so many reasons why we need more women of color in leadership positions, but especially in our school boards, because there are decisions being made about our kids that do not involve us. And if we have folks like Farheen, you know, stepping up, then we will have people who are really considering all of the nuances of being a parent of students of color um, and being an educator of color in this space, right? And saying, I know what's best for our students of color. And with that, why don't we take a break and then come back and talk more about school boards? What do they do? People have heard of them, but do they really understand what kind of decisions get made and the role that, that school boards play and how important it is to have diverse leadership? So, with that, we'll go to break, but we'll be back in just a few minutes and talking more about how you can make a difference and what we need to do to support people of color, both in leadership and teaching positions for arch students. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Connections Radio when we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are joining us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And we have our Connections community partner, the Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment, RISE. And I have my co-host today. I have the Advocacy Director, Asma Mohammed, And I also have Farin Hassan hosting with us today. And she is a school board candidate for ISD 719 in the Prior Lake and Savage area. We were just talking about school boards in our last segment. So what does a school board do? That is a great question, Lori. <laughs> um, okay, so the school board really is it's teamwork, right? So there are individuals who come together and decide that they are going to hold um, the administration um, sort of accountable, right? Um, they are, they sort of advocate for the students, the staff, and the community. So they sort of take responsibility to create, you know, the way I look at it is we're sort of, we're creating positive change for our children and for our community. Um, that's really, you know, so they're policymakers. Uh, they, they, you know, they, they're, so as far as I'm concerned, the way I look at it is, I'm running to cultivate a culture of um, diversity, inclusion, and equity in school, um, and also to inspire other uh, people of color to run as well. How has the campaigning been going for you? It has, um, it's been, so I'll be honest, it has been a struggle for me. Um, I, this is my first time running, um, and I'm trying to figure out the best way to do this mm-hmm. um and you know so just trying to sort of connect with other individuals i i don't i mean i said that before as well so we are um uh, you know as far as our district is con- concerned 
Um, we have 1% of black children in the school district, 5% Asian, 3% Hispanic, and about 88% Caucasian. Um, so, you know, I keep going back to, you know, who is representing the, the you know, the children of color. Um, and I'm trying to build that connection with our community and trying to sort of bring awareness where we need to be the voice of those children and, and others as well. I mean, I wouldn't sort of exclude our Caucasian community, but we just, we have to sort of come together as, you know, as a cohesive group that sort of has a vision Mm -hmm. for the betterment of the community. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's, been going awesome i am i'm sort of taking it one step at a time and just keep moving forward um i honestly wish that there was some sort of a manual a handbook somebody who would just tell us exactly what we should be doing and what's the next step that would be wonderful i've got another question for you let's imagine this vision that you are now on that school board and you've been elected what's your vision what would you love to see happen as your leadership role uh, on the school board? What, what are some of the ways that you want to make an impact? Um, so I, I believe in, um, so as a Montessori teacher, I believe in sort of the um, idea of alternative le- um, learning, um, you know, and then giving children the um, opportunities, um, you know, for best education, providing them support and giving them resources, um, really being able to sort of hear them and listen to them, create an, an environment where um, it's, it's, you know, there's dialogue, mm-hmm. right? So understand the concerns of the parents, um, really be there present for them, mm-hmm. and then be actively and authentically work together to bring improvement because every child has a different style. Every family is, is, you know, is different, right? Mm -hmm. So how do we work together and provide the best for that, the the families and for each student? So it's really working together. And then I would also say that I think, you know, I have been getting questions of, well, what are you going to do as a board? We have to remember I, as an individual, cannot Mm -hmm. really do anything because it is teamwork. Right. Uh, what I can do is I can influence other board members to come together. So that would be, so for me, I look at myself as somebody who is going to create those conversations, bring maybe those, um, you know, conversations forward to the board and see how we can create change. I also think you bring a lot of passion and that passion is so needed <laughs> to bring people together and think in new ways. Um, to enlighten and to enliven conversation. And I, I believe it really is through really good conversation where people are open to figuring out solutions together. Um, but but we're moved by individuals who, who have a vision, and I believe you do have that, Farine. I think you'd be such a gift uh, to that team to to think and imagine in new ways. And and everyone wants to do what's right for kids. I mean, I just have to believe that. In your heart of hearts, everyone wants children to succeed. 
But I don't know if we've all exactly, been had yeah. the opportunity to be exposed to so many different ways of looking at it. There's there's more than one way to educate. There's more than one way to lead, um, and, and how exciting it is to have the opportunity to learn. Uh, and I I do wish you the very best. I think you would be a gift to that school board. Thank you. I'm excited. Thank you. Yes, yes. We this uh, we went around a little long in our second segment, so we've come to the end of this third segment. Um, in the next segment, I'm I'm looking forward to us talking about just how are we doing some good coping during this time and good suggestions for the connections audience to be thinking about. So stay with us. We'll be right back just after a few short uh, commercials, and we'll talk about how to cope during these difficult times and how to support kids especially. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host. And we have our Connections community partner, Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment, RISE. And I have our advocacy director, Asma Mohammed, who is the co-host. And I've got Farin Hassan, who is the school board candidate. Uh, she also serves on the board of RISE. Uh, but she is the school board candidate for ISD 719 in Prior Lake and Savage. We want to do a big thank you to Clockwork for supporting our show today. And um, Asma, would you share the Rise website? And then um, Farine, I'd love to have you share. You know, how, if people wanted to make a contribution and support you, how would they do that? So let's start first with the Rise website. Yeah, so we are www.revivingsisterhood.org. We're also on Twitter as Rise Sisterhood or Instagram as Rising Sisterhood. So you can check us out there. Um, Always welcome for contributions, but right now I just want to highlight for Haines campaign um, and contributions are needed there. School board campaigns are not easy to run, so please give to Farheen. And Farheen, how would we do that? Um, so I have, I'm creating my website. It's called Farheen for P-L-S-A-S, so that would be S for Frank, A-R-H-E-E-N, and the number four and then plsas.com. So please, that would be awesome. Thank you. But, and I think it's wonderful for all of our, our audience to be thinking about how to support women of color in leadership positions. So even if th- that's not your school district, supporting Farine in, in her leadership may inspire others in other school school districts. Mm-hmm. So do the right thing and support uh, Farine in her school board candidacy. Yes, donate. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> you know, we started off the show talking about the challenges that we're facing. And it's especially important to create a good, positive environment for kids. Do you all, do you both have some good suggestions for us to be thinking about um, in how we're, we're coping with this change and what we can do best to, to support children? It's a tough one, Lori. Um one thing that I've been thinking about how to support our students is what I do with my, so I still have some students, and what I do is I check in with them really regularly um, outside of any educational setting. <clears throat> and so um, just asking them, you know, how things are going. What I do is I call uh, I call it a high or low. Um, so I have my students share a high from their week and a low. It could be from the day if you're seeing your students every day or if you're a parent or guardian and you want to know how your students are doing. Um just ask for a high and a low 
And usually that starts a conversation. And what I do is I actually share my own high and low because when you're vulnerable with your students um, and you share something about yourself, they're more likely to share about themselves with you. So I'll actually share like, it's been a really hard week because I am struggling with the thought of getting COVID because I'm in a classroom right now, right? right? Like sharing that with your students is important um, because they're not feeling connected right now. And I think the biggest thing to do is help students feel like they know you um, and asking questions, you know, opening up conversations is one way to do that. I think it's also important to know that if a, if a child is acting out and being more angry or there seems to just be more frustration in, in dealing with a child, to not just look at the behavior at the the superficial level of just being angry and what do I do with this angry child, but really think through, you know, what's triggering that? What are the fears? What's the pain? How how can you get underneath it? But you're not going to get underneath it with just, I know you're really hurting. You know, Mm -hmm. you almost sometimes need to back into it and, and open up the conversation so that they can eventually share. And I think one way to do that is to be emotionally healthy yourself mm-hmm. and to be checking in with yourself, with your loved ones um, regularly. And having someone to vent to is so crucial right now. Farine, do you have some ideas as well? Yeah, <laughs> I do, um, Loria. And Asma, that is, that's so accurate. I mean, um, you know, there's a lot of anxiety and, you know, of the unknown right now during this pandemic. And obviously, and children react to that and children see us um, sort of reacting to it and they will emulate and they will sort of take in those fears, right? And, and we don't have all the answers. The way I look at it is, you know, every individual and every family will process this differently. We just have to come from a place of heart. We also have to remember that um, there are, you know, our personalities. Um, just just keep that in mind. So introverts right now are thriving and are really enjoying their space. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but extroverts, yeah, and but extroverts are having a really really hard time. So you know, you know, we have to sort of be mindful of that. Um, just the. The, the temperaments and the personalities. Um, so I'm a, I'm a counseling student. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing my master's in counseling right now. Um, one thing that we constantly talk about in class is it's called SHIELD, S-H-I-E-L-D. Um, so keeping and, and, SHIELD in and mind we've, we've uh, got about, really helps us. We've got about a minute, so I just want to make sure you know that. Okay, okay. So I'll, <laughs> yeah, so I'll just quickly go by with Shield, you know, be mindful of your sleep. H is for like handling, how do you handle stress? So doing meditations, yoga, breathing. Um, I is like being involved um, with other others that bring you joy. So keep that in mind. E is exercising, maybe go, going out on a stroll, just, um, you know, giving yourself some time being with nature. L is learning. And D is diet. So keep that in mind. Oh, it's perfect. And, and I'm, you process I'm going to ask you to send me that so I can put it on my Facebook. That is a beautiful, um, we need to put our shield up. We need to be able to take care of ourselves so we can take care of others and especially take care of children. Thank you. You all are doing beautiful work. Uh, Support Fareen. She's going to do wonderful. uh, (laughs) We're done. (laughs) 